coming in faith to receive something from God. This is very, very important. The Bible says, take heed what you hear, really how you hear. For the measure of thought and study and really receptivity that you have to what you hear is the direct proportion of the amount of virtue that you're going to receive. And God's got something real good for you today. Real good. So let's believe God today. I'm going to believe God for you. You believe God for me. Amen. Lord, I thank you for, for all of our friends and family that have come out today to, uh, to receive of the word of God, to worship God. We magnify you today. I pray, Lord, that we, as we magnify your name and your word today, that revelation knowledge will flow and uh, people will be elevated and come to another level of living above only and not beneath. Lord, may the one that is the most discouraged today, may they be lifted up. Those that are uh, in a place of uh, decision and those that are in a place of oppression, I thank you that according to your word and the anointing on your word, we believe that uh, the anointing will destroy that yoke and help us, Father, today and make, them, make us happy as we leave today in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, Amen. A while ago, I, I did a message. It's been a, a real long time ago. And, uh, and the Lord touched my heart about maybe touching on it a little bit again today. And the title of today's message, for those of you taking notes and for the uh, people doing tapes, please don't put my name and no title. I think it really helps to have a title. Is No Hoof Left Behind. <laughs> no Hoof Left Behind. Now, listen, let's get right into my introduction here. Uh, this week in the Bay Area, commuters were scrambling on Monday as uh, the main transit, transit system for one of the largest metropolitan regions in the U.S. came to a halt because of a labor strike. Now, friends, I don't know if you know this, but BART is the nation's fifth largest all-rail train system in the United States with 44 stations and 26 cities that make up the Bay Area. Now... We've all heard about the negotiations, and by the way, those negotiations are ongoing. Is that right? They didn't come to an agreement as yet. But so far, and you know, they're, they're uh, going to the bargaining table for what the usual is, the, uh, the cost of living raises, and they want safety and uh, measures implemented a little bit better. By the way, we can, we can afford to pray for our cities, amen? My understanding is that... Um, more than 2,400 serious crimes at five stations occurred in the last three years, including more than 100 physical assaults on BART. Don't get nervous if you ride BART. Just make sure you pray on BART employees. And more than 1,000 physical assaults on riders. And so, so, you know, we, we need prayer. Amen? Don't get nervous if you ride BART. Don't worry. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no, for thou art with me. Amen? You've got angels. Praise God. I wish you got a, had a revelation of that. You'd never be nervous ever. Of course, you're listening to the Lord. But anyway, here, here's a thought. That just, just a couple little thoughts about that negotiation. Uh, it is estimated that there's a loss by the third day of the strike is, is to top $200 million as the, as the city came to a standstill. And there's a bunch of things that come to mind, you know. Uh, there's about 400,000 daily commuters that use BART and an enormous amount of those started driving. That means that they used 800,000 gallons of gas per day and 16 million pounds of carbon were thrown into the air in case you're 
interested in why your breathing was a little bit more <gasps> labored, <gasps> especially during a heat wave. And, uh, and we used 800,000 gallons of gas every day that cost all of us about $3.3 million. And you wonder, is it, is, is it okay when strikes happen? Now, the thought, the, the thought here isn't so much about strikes, but, but we are all affected. Listen carefully. We are all affected when negotiations happen. And whether you like it or not, there are negotiations happening today that affect you. So you ought to be praying for, you know, uh, for our nation and that. But I've got something a little stronger for you, something a little more close to home. Did you know that on a, on, on a regular basis, the enemy of your soul is trying to cut a deal with you? There are negotiations that are happening with Christians on a regular basis. And it's so vitally important that you cut no deals with the devil. Somebody said amen. amen. You know, I'm going to start off with, with a little story here, a true story, uh, kind of embarrassing, but it's true. I, I was so naive as I was a little boy. I just trusted my sister so much. I love you, Carolyn. If you hear this, you know I love you, girl. But I had a vintage Martin ukulele when I was a little itty-bitty fella. And uh, by now, it's called vintage, you know. And the value of that ukulele, the street value today, is minimally $1,200. It was, you know, an official, you know, uh, a Martin ukulele. How many you know what a ukulele is? How many you like uh, ukulele? Okay, all right. One day, she came up to me, and she showed me a real shiny coin. I'm, what, four years old or five years old? I don't know what the value of something is. And she started to negotiate with me. Here we go. She says, Tommy says, look at this. Don't you call me Tommy, by the way. That was just my sister way back when. Okay, and my mommy, my mommy can call me Tommy. Gee, that rhymes. It's a prophetic. She showed me this real shiny little coin. She says, do you know what this is up in here? This, you see what this is? She says, this is a quarter. She says, this is, ooh, this is real valuable. And she goes, do you want this? Well, should I want it? Yeah, oh yeah, you want this. I didn't know whether I should want it or not. And so she says, I'll tell you what, I'll cut you a deal in so many words. I will give you this shiny quarter if you give me that ukulele. And I look at this drab piece of wood, and I looked at that little, and all I knew about that little drab little thing was, my dog has fleas. How many of you know that's how you tune a ukulele, yeah? So it says, without hesitating, it was a trade. I grabbed that. I was so happy I got that quarter. But friends, something, I got taken. How many of you know I got taken? <laughs> I still love you, Carolyn, but you better get me a uke one day. <laughs> to this day, I still don't have a ukulele, much less a Martin ukulele. But I observed a couple of things, and the Lord is trying to get a couple of things across to you. Don't get taken at the bargaining table. Come on, Come on Christian. Don't you get taken at the bargaining table. I mean, you know... We, you, you, they're, they're, whether you like it or not, you're negotiating all the time. How many of you have purchased a car recently? You go on the car lot, kick a few tires, and then this horrible experience of going in and talking to that slick salesman. Now, if you're in the car business, I'm really sorry. You can, I'll pray for you afterwards. You've got to still love Pastor Tom here. But I'll tell you what, that slick car salesman sticking weird little additives, and you know that car, the, 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 the rings and the engine are dead. And they're linking all, but they stick some thickener to make it look real good. They park the car just so, so you can't tell it's got that scratch. <laughs> oh, Lord. I'll cut you a deal, and they're charging you way overpriced. Hello, somebody. And you buy that car with the queasy feeling in your stomach. T- turn your name and say, don't you get taken. 
Now, if you're a shopper, you understand, you know, man, Americans are so gullible. Man, you, you go abroad, you know, and you, you, go to, you go to any other foreign country and you go to the open market. Hey, everything is negotiable. I'll give you $50, $50 for that pair of sunglasses. Says, no way, five bucks, no more. Because, okay, 45 It says, no, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you $7 for those glasses. And finally you haggle. How many of you ever haggled before? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. And you finally brought it down. You brought the price down because you knew what the value was. Okay, there's a couple of things that we're going to talk about today. I'm just setting this up. We're not, we're not going to have a long time in the Word, but before you leave today, you are going to know how as a Christian not to get taken. Does that sound like good news for you? It'll help you. It'll help you, I'm sure, to buy your next car or get a deal on that next suit or whatever it is, that vacation or whatever, but you can always haggle. Amen. But more importantly, it's going to help you to not live beneath your rights and privileges in Christ Jesus and definitely not cut any stupid deal. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't cut a stupid deal with the devil. I observed just a couple of things. Three, a three-point assault strategy that the enemy has used to try to limit your life and limit the church. And you know what? We already know that the enemy cannot prevail against the church. Ultimately, the devil cannot prevail against the church. But he can hinder it. The devil cannot prevail against you if you're a Christian. The devil cannot ultimately prevail over you. But he can hinder you. Give me scripture and verse, Pastor Tom. Okay, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2.18. Let's put that, that little scripture up there. For... Th- Therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and time again. But what does it say? But Satan hindered us. So that that little passage of Scripture tells you that there are things that you know in your heart that that you'd like to do. Hello? You'd like to live happily in your marriage. You'd like to have restoration for your kids. You'd like to have that new... Uh, set of tires, you know you need that new washer, you know you need uh, that, that raise at the job, hello, but Satan works, the enemy of your soul works to hinder, you know you want that family member born again, but the enemy works to hinder the work of God, can he hinder the work of God, according to the scripture, answer the question, according to that, evidently he can, but ultimately, Ultimately, he cannot prevail because we know that Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. So everybody get happy right here in the house. But let's look at this three-pronged assault against the church. I found uh, today, this probably is much more than one message, but maybe we'll cover two points of the three today. And I found that since you got born again, The enemy cannot stop the ultimate victory in your life, which is that you're born again and you know Christ. Hello. And that you're an eternal spirit. Amen. And that you live eternally with God. But but there's some collateral damage because of a result of that. I mean, what happens if you start what happens if you start operating at full potential or even half potential or three-quarters potential of what you're capable of doing? What the enemy is trying to do is, is have a, a three-pronged strategy to... Do you know what collateral damage is? Is trying to, to stop any more from happening. Like we already know we lost him. He's already going to heaven. But what are the three things that we can do to, to control, to do damage control? 
Amen, somebody? I see the wheels are turning. Everybody got me? And this is what I saw. Uh, This is how it came to me. He attacks your identity. Who you are. That's the first thing. If If he can compromise and obscure that, your identity, he has obscured your effectiveness and get you to settle for less at the bargaining table. Number two, if you... If he can attack you in the area of knowledge of what, to know of what you have. If you don't know what you have. I didn't know that that was a collector item, a Martin authentic ukulele. I didn't know that. I just looked at a little piece of wood with a few strings. My dog has played. I had no idea that this was a vintage piece. Hello. I didn't know what I had. Christians, today the Lord is trying to encourage you. You've got to find out what you have. If, if you don't know what you have, you're going to be taken in life. And number three, if, if you don't know what it is that you can do as a result of who you are and what you have, they all build on each other, you see. If you don't know what you can do, with it, there are a lot of people. You've heard the story. They, the, a, a man dies, and there's a painting in the attic or something, and they pull the painting out, and there's this multi-million-dollar piece of of authentic collector's artwork. But he had he lived his life as a pauper, and they pull it out and they put it at auction. It's millions of dollars. Come on, you've heard that today. I'm not I'm not making this up, friends. This is absolutely the truth. He didn't know what he had. And he didn't know what to do. I mean, he, what he did with it is he put it up in the attic somewhere. But he didn't know what to do with it because he didn't know what he had. God's going to help you today. So help me, if you leave today without anything else, just understand this. God does not want you to get taken. Now, let's work on point number one and try to get through this one. And if, all, if that's all we got through, it'll be worth your, it would be worth your while. Somebody said amen. Pastor did such a masterful job on Father's Day when he said, essentially, who's your father? He almost entitled it, who's your daddy? <laughs> but uh, it was, who's your father? And you have to understand something, friends. Who you belong to is an absolute game changer in the spirit and in the natural. Now, I know, I know you don't get this completely, but maybe God, Lord, help me to get this across. The world is watching as Prince William and Duchess Kate prepare for the birth of the royal baby. There is a royal baby watch. There are blogs everywhere as the royal bump is coming out. There are bookies making, I can't say untold thousands of, and millions of dollars, but thousands of lira, pounds. As people are are placing bets on the gender of the baby and what the name is going to be. And if you could believe this, what color the hair is going to be? Really? Like red curly hair. Here's a thousand lira. I'd like to bet on that. <laughs> they're, they're following her around to the clothing shops. Toy makers are a buzz. England is a buzz. And I'm not, I'm not trying to magnify England. It just happens to be that we're experiencing this today. So you'll remember this message. When that baby is born and all the fanfare happens, that baby, you're going to remember, I'm not getting taken because I know who I am. You'll remember. 
Oh, they're courting her attention. They, they so want that, they want that duchess to pick out this clothing line because the moment that clothing line comes out with that baby wearing it, that's it. The royal pajamas, the royal buggy, <laughs> the royal diapers, the royal bath, the, you know, the royal toys. They already, oh my goodness, she already picked out certain little, certain little uh, stuffed animals and that. Why is this important? What is the significance of this little baby being born? You would think this little baby is no different than your baby or my baby. Hello. But the difference is whose that baby is. That's the difference. Who is that father? This baby is heir to the throne. And that's what makes the difference. I realize that in the eyes of God, we're all created equal. Is that right? And he loves us all the same. However, let me be clear. God loves everybody. He does. He gave his only begotten son so that all of us could be recreated and live with him. Amen. And have an inheritance. But you don't get an inheritance and you don't make it to heaven and you don't make it into the royal family unless you receive Jesus Christ. Now, Brother Copeland does such an awesome job in his book, The Blessing, as he described. There is so much revelation in this book. You know how uh, Brother Hagin, the Lord said to him, his primary mission was teach my people faith. Is that right? In this book, Brother Copeland reveals how the Lord's mission on his life was teach my people the blessing. What is it? What is a? You know what? It's a whole lot more than we thought. It's not what you do after somebody sneezes. Hello. There is such depth as I read these pages, such depth of revelation here. I was, I was floored like I don't know anything, really, as I read this book. The, the concepts are so rich and so amazing. But I believe, if, if my wife will probably agree with me, this is probably the crowning piece of his entire ministry right here. I mean, he preaches on a lot of things, but there's something about his mission to teach about the blessing. That's enough. Better order these from the bookstore. Oh, bookstore sale, everybody. Remember, <laughs> if you find the book in there, grab it. There's a little plug for the blessing. Anyway, Look what Brother Copeland says about the creation. Commenting on what happened in the book of Psalms, chapter 8, verse 3 through 9. His uh, revelation on it was that all of the angelic hosts and all of heaven came to an absolute silence as God is, what is he doing down there? He's creating something and it says he's crowning him with honor and glory. Then he's breathing in him the breath of life and making him in the image and likeness of God and giving him authority and creating him in such a degree that he's giving him dominion. And he's blessing the man. You'd have to kind of get the book yourself. But what, he's, what he goes on to say, like, like other teachers have said, man, when you are born again, you are a class of being that, like a species that has never existed before. And by the way, far and above more royal than, than the royal baby that will be born in coming months. 
All, it says all of the angelic hosts, they were like holding their breath as they were, as they're watching God do this. Everything Satan wanted. He wanted the earth. He wanted dominion. He wanted the ability to create. He wanted the ability to speak and cause things to come to pass. But it was an illegal move on his part. He's the angelic. All the angelic hosts are an inferior breed compared to man that God created in a triune being alive unto God. We are superior. As a matter of fact, what Brother Copeland says in his book on page 45 and 46, I'm going to read at the bottom of the page. It says, it was the biggest mistake Satan ever made, basically, when he said, I'll be like the most God, and they were thrown out. Listen to this. He and the angels who followed him ended up getting thrown down out of heaven into nothingness. They were stripped of all rights. From that day to this, they haven't owned anything or belonged anywhere. They eventually stole the authority from man, invaded this planet, and became what we know today as principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness of this world. But in the fact is, they're the lowest form of spirit life on the planet. Think about that. They are the lowest form of spirit life on the planet. It's just, it's, it's just amazing as, as he says how they all gathered and what Satan wanted, he wanted dominion and authority to be like God. And yet here's God creating man. Let's read Psalms. Let's read it real quick. When I, verse 3, when I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you come to visit him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him. Say crowned him. Crowned him. Wh- who do you crown? There's going to be a coronation. You know, there are coronations. Is that right? You have crowned him. That's not just a saying, friends. This is not just Disney World. This is real. God has crowned you, born again Christian, dear loved one. He's crowned you and with glory and with honor. And when we go to heaven, friends, and there are some friends that are already in heaven, they bow down at the throne of God and they cast their crowns before Jesus. It's real. This is real. You are royalty. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm royalty. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hands. Friends, that little baby that's about to be born, that comes out of the womb, knowing nothing, helpless, can't do anything. Hello. That baby's going to have to be trained. It's going to have to be informed. It's going to have to be cultivated as to who that baby is, who you are. Is that right? And understand that the position that you hold, who, whose you are and who you are, made all the difference in the world. No, 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 honey. You can't act like that. You can't dress like that. Come on. Because you, you, you don't understand, honey. You're a royal baby. You are heir to the throne. Hello, somebody. Come on, come on, come on. Amen. You can't act that way. Do you think that they really worry about where their next meal is going to come from? No, 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 honey, you don't worry. You are heir to the throne. You don't understand. All in the kingdom is yours. You don't understand this. You're royal. You're royal blood. Let that sink in a little bit. How, how is it that that baby, what was it, Russian roulette? You know, A, B, Eeny, Meeny, Miny, Mo. I'm going to create that baby and that baby is... No, listen, it was because 
a king and a queen or prince and a duchess came together and created. Is that right? And they made, they made that baby. Is that right? God made you, me. He birthed us. Is that right? We were, say, born again. We were born again. Oh, my, I think so. the lights are coming on. You've, he's made us. He birthed us in such a way to have dominion over the works of the hands and all things you put under his feet. Did, could you catch that? All things God put under your feet. Say that. Try that for size. All things God put under my feet. So let's just move along because I don't want to take too long. So who are you? You are, turn to your name and say, I'm royalty. And so there are several scriptures we could read like Revelation 1, 4 through 6. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace to you and peace to him who is and who was and who is to come. From the seven spirits which are before his throne. And from Jesus Christ the faithful witness. The firstborn from dead. The ruler over the kings of the earth. You ever heard the phrase Jesus king of kings and lord of lords. Is that right? Okay. Okay. So, so if Jesus is the king of the kings then who are all the other kings? Somebody say, come on, help me out a little bit. Us, usins, we're the kings that he's the king of. And you have made, here you go again, you have made them a kingdom of a royal race. I, am I in the wrong place? <laughs> sorry, sorry, I skipped down that. And to him who loved us, washed us from our sin in his own blood, right? And has made us, what? He made us, somebody say it, help me out. Kings and priests unto God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So can you see that? I, I, I think, how many will just take that and I can move, just move right along? Okay. So, so let's, let's move right along here. So important for you to know as you are doing life and things are coming to your mind, the devil is trying to negotiate with you to try to get you to live beneath whose you are because first, you get to understand whose you are. Because whose you are is what defines who you are. That little baby, the fact that they're son to royal blood, hello? That is, begins, that's the starting place of who they are. You, born again in Christ Jesus, you are now made a king. Now's your starting place. You're a king. Amen. So, here is the thing. When you do life, you must do life as a king or else you'll get taken. So, let's look at, let's look at how the enemy attacked Jesus and his identity. Uh, Luke chapter 4, follow with me along as we read uh, quickly here. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness being tempted for 40 days by the devil, and those days he ate nothing, and afterwards when he had ended, he was hungry. And, when the dev- and then the devil said to him, if, somebody say if. if, if you are the son of God. Now, it doesn't take rocket science to figure out he's trying to attack his identity, right? If you're the son of God, you know, command that these stones become bread, Right? And then, of course, Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. Then, of course, he took him up to a high mountain. And he's, this is a bargaining. This is a, he's trying to say, he's playing, Let's make a deal. And you're, you're going to learn something from Jesus right here about making deals or not making deals. The de- verse 5, 
And the devil, taking him up to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give to you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I will give to whomever I wish. But Jesus knew better. Is Jesus smarter than the devil? Somebody said yes. Therefore, if you will worship me and all will be yours. But of course, let me just tell you something. Many people try to take shortcuts. Is that a true statement? Yes, it is a true statement. Was the authority given over to Satan? Yes, that is true. Man, Adam gave it over to Satan. But the purpose for Jesus coming to the earth as a man was to take that authority back. And the pl- this was the plan, friends. When God gives you a plan, stick with it. When God gives you a plan, stick with it. Don't you cut any deals with the devil. You stick with the plan. The plan was, Jesus will be the Lamb of God. He'll take away the sin of the world and he has to shed his blood and it's by that shed blood that a covenant will be established. Now that's the deal you want in on. And then after we have taken care of business like that, then authority and dominion will be given over to him because Jesus will take the keys and take the curse, smash it on the cross, hello, and give us, give back to us the Eden blessing that God did from the beginning, how he created us in the first place. Is that right? All right. To restore us back to our royal dominion. So look at this. So, of course, Jesus said to him, There is no way I'm going to fall down and worship you. Get thee behind me, Satan. Verse 8, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And I can meddle there, but I ain't going to. Let's go to verse 9. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, and once again, an attack on his identity, just like he tries to attack your identity. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on a pinnacle. Excuse me, verse 10. Where are we? Uh, uh, Verse 10. For it is written, right? Verse 9, okay, he shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then, uh, then he brought him to Jerusalem on the temple. If you're the Son of God, throw, if you are the Son of God. Can you see that? Can you see how he's, 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 he's trying to hammer away at who are you? Do you really believe that you are a king and a priest and a Christian and born again and this is for real? Do you believe that? Or are you going to settle for this little deal? He's coming to your mind. If he didn't come yesterday, he's coming today. If he didn't come today, he's coming tomorrow. He's going to try to talk you out of your blessing. Somebody say, no deals with the devil. devil. And then, of course, Jesus said uh, to him, and and the devil even quoted scripture, watch out for those religious devils. If you're the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and their hands will bear you up. How many of you know the devil knows scripture? I said, how many of you know the devil knows scripture? But he has no revelation knowledge. There's one for you. He has no revelation knowledge. He just tries to grab a few scriptures and throw them at you to try to get you to give up your rights and privileges to get you to settle for something less. And then, of course, Jesus said, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God, or it is written. And then the devil ended the temptation. Okay, so what a great example that we have that Jesus did not give up his identity. I, I just needed you to see that. So let's, let's look at uh, uh, another scripture here as we go to a negotiation that occurred between Moses and Pharaoh. And now we're going to get uh, 
page 7 up there for my friends in high places. We're going to get to that as we move to the description of uh, no hoof left behind. I want you to note this, uh, this negotiation with the devil that really Pharaoh was the devil's advocate. <laughs> and uh, if, if you don't have somebody that's acting like Pharaoh, don't worry, you will. <laughs> All right, I, Exodus chapter 10. And uh, let's see if, if, is that it? Uh, Exodus chapter, <laughs> actually, let's go to verse six, uh, page six up there, uh, uh, up in the booth. And, and we're going we're gonna to take it from Exodus chapter nine. And Pharaoh, Exodus nine, verse 27 through 29. Somebody said glory. glory. Somebody said glory a little louder. Glory. Make sure you're awake. Okay. Everybody take a deep breath. <sighs> Amen. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said to him, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous and my people are wicked. Entreat the Lord that there be no more mighty thundering and hail for it is enough. I will let your people go. I will, I, I will let you go and you shall stay no longer. But when we go to, he of course prayed and just like before Pharaoh hardened his heart, Exodus chapter 10, 8 through 11, uh, Pharaoh hardened his heart and wouldn't let him go. Then Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. Go worship the Lord your God. Uh, but tell me who will be going. So here's the, no go, here's the game. Here's the slick operator. Tell me who's going. And Moses answered, verse 9. Read this with me up there. It's on the screen, I think. Uh, and Moses answered. Come on, read it. We will go with our young and our old and our sons and our daughters and with our flocks and herds because we are to celebrate a festival to the Lord. All right. Now look at what Pharaoh says. You don't have to read this, but say it, I'll say it. Pharaoh said, the Lord... Uh, the Lord be with you. If I let you go along with your women and children, clearly you are bent on evil. Then he says, no, um, I'm not going to agree to that. Uh, have only the men go and worship the Lord since that's what you were uh, been asking for. And then Moses and Aaron were driven out of his presence. So you see that he's trying to jerry him down. He says, okay, I'll tell you what. Just let's send out only the men. Was that the plan? Come on, help me out of it. Was that the plan? No, that wasn't the plan. Uh, the, the, the devil may say to you, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll leave you alone, but I'm going to mess with your wife and your kids and your stuff. That's essentially what he was saying. And so it, what would a real uncompromising man of God do at the bargaining table right there? Come on. Unacceptable. There is no way. I am not, I'm, it's not good enough for me to make it and not my wife and not my kids and not my stuff. Unacceptable. So then you see in, in verse Uh, In in Exodus 10, in verse 24, then Pharaoh summoned Moses and said, go worship the Lord, even your... And then, okay, 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 your women and your children can go then, fine. But you're going to have to leave behind your livestock and your herds. But essentially we say, you have to leave your stuff behind. Okay, all right, fine, fine, you're a Christian, okay, fine, you're going to heaven. But you're going to be broke as a... (laughs) You're going to be broke... And you're going, to be, you're going to be living underneath and you're going to be, your life will hang in front of you. You're going to be sick. You, you'll be a sorry case. But, but I, I'll leave you alone. I will, I, I'll, I promise to leave you alone. Just, I'll leave you broke. What was, what does an uncompromising man of God, woman of God, who knows that they're a king and a priest, say at the bargaining table? No deal. No deal. I love, and this is where the title of the message comes. And then, and then, um, you know, Pharaoh says, leave your flocks and herds behind. Exodus 10, 26. And this is his answer. And, and I turn your neighbor and said, this should be your answer too. This should be your answer. Our cattle also shall go with us. There shall, read this with me. There shall not an hoof 
be left behind. I like that. I, I like that. Not, not even one hoof, baby. Not even one. Not, not one jot. Not one tittle. I'm not giving you nothing at this bargaining. Don't you mess with me. Don't mess with me. It says nothing, not, not one hoof will be left behind. For thereof we must take to serve the Lord. And we know not what we must serve the Lord until we come hither. The first thing that I want to bring up to your attention is the fact that he did not compromise. And the Lord talks very clearly about the uncompromising man. Psalms, gosh, and uh, it's in the book of Psalms, he says that the Lord will bless the uncompromisingly righteous. That's, you don't have to turn there, but that's Psalms chapter 5, 11 and 12. But this is one of the ways that you live blessed. We're almost wrapping up. How many of you give me two, three more minutes? Come on, give me two or three. We're almost done. This is, this is vital that you pay attention. There is a reason why you need to be uncompromising. Now, a lot of people say, well, I'll be uncompromising. You know, they think, they, they think immediately about sin. And absolutely, we need to be uncompromising about sin or any demonic spirit who, by the way, is a lower class of being than you are. Amen. No low class demon is supposed to rule over you. Hello. No low-class devil of lack. No low-class devil of sickness. No low-class devil of strife. Hello? Fear? That's way beneath who you are. Come on, kings and queens. But as we're bringing this for, for a landing, I like what Moses said in the Amplified. Our livestock, same verse in the Amplified. Our livestock also shall go with us. There shall not a hoof be left behind. For of them must we take to serve the Lord our God. Stop right there. That blessing that you might be compromising at the bargaining table of life, you need that to serve God. Oh, Brother Tom, I I don't need to have, you know, an extravagant house. I, I don't need to, you know, I'm okay with 30-year-old jeans. It's okay. It only has two holes in it. It's okay if I have holes in my shoes, Brother Tom. I, I love Jesus. I'm humble before law. Look, if you want to wear holes in your jeans and holes in your shoes, go for it. But there's far too much that needs to be done in the kingdom of God. Try paying off this building. If you want to wear holes in your jeans, fine. Wear holes in your dream. Wear shredded t-shirts if that's what you want to wear. Wear 50-year-old out-of-style clothes. But you are a king. You are a priest. And you're living far beneath the level that God wants you to live. And if you have made a choice to eat pork and beans and hot dogs while God has promised you to live off the high, the finest of wheat, and the cattle on a thousand hills, if you really want to live that way, then why don't you take those millions of dollars of your potential as a king and a priest, and why don't you show it to some missionaries that can really use it? We don't have time to waste with poor mouth Christians. You are a king and a priest. When somebody says, man, I don't know if I can afford it. That's not the way a king talks. Well, geez, man, what are we going to do? The gas went up 10 cents a gallon. I'm going to drive around for three hours. I'm going to ride around town to try to find gas that's three cents lower. That's not what a king and a priest does. If you're the queen, you don't do that. Your time is too valuable. You're not trying to squeeze a little nickel out of this and that. You're too blessed for that mess. 
Gee, that rhymes. I said, you're too blessed for that mess. That, that, that felt good. So you need that. He says, for with this stuff, with all of our stuff is what Moses was saying. We need that to serve the Lord. We need you, friend, you need every bit, nothing less. You need everything that God has apportioned you as a king and as a priest, as a queen before God to serve him and have an impact. Let's get this job done. So the devil is still wheeling and dealing with the ungodly. But as a child of God, you don't have to let him wheel and steal from you. I say wheel and steal. You don't have to cut no deals with him. God already cut the best deal you're ever going to get. He cut it in his blood. Praise God. The new covenant. That's the best deal. You don't need any other deals. You don't need to cheat on your taxes. Somebody said hello. Amen. So let's bring this in for a landing, Brother Tom. Everybody pray for just a moment. The devil will try as you're prayerful and I read these closing comments. He's always trying to get you, Christian, to settle for less than your full inheritance. Number one, the request, let us go. devil says no. Number two, let us go. He says, okay, just the men, but the women, children, all your stuff have to stay. No. Number three, let us go. No. Okay, okay, okay. You and your wives and your children, but you got to leave your stuff. You got to be poor. Number four, let us go. This is where God wants you to live. You've heard of people that live in the land of not enough. I've been there. I don't like that land. Not enough. Juggling bills. Go to the grocery store and I've been there. Go to pay and say, ooh. How much is that? How much? You know, you're trying to bring it to the dime, <laughs> to the dollar. Says, ooh, we better, we better put, we have three packages of pasta. We better put one back. Uh, maybe we can make one last. How many of you been there before? That's living beneath. God doesn't want you having to count your nickels like that. But God's going to help you today. I said God's helping you today. That is a result of decisions that we have made, and we just didn't know what we had. We didn't know how to walk in it. But we're learning. Come on, somebody. We're learning how to walk in it. Let me tell you where God wants to bring you. Not just the land of not enough to the land of just enough. You know, just enough like you've budgeted every nickel. Okay, whoo, we just made it. Have you paid, your, have you paid all your bills? Yeah, all my bills are paid and that, but I just barely made it to the nickel. I got a nickel left. Okay, the creditors aren't knocking at the door. Is that good enough? Somebody said no. Let me tell you what God did. You want to know what God did? This is where you and I can live. This is how it turned out. Okay, he finally said, Uncle. Okay, all of it. You get, you get to go. Your wives get to go. Your children get to go. Your stuff gets to go. And I'll just do, I'll give, I'll cut, I'll, I'll give you even extra bonus. Please leave. I'm going to give you even our stuff. We'll give it to you. I'll give you my stuff. <laughs> For you to just go, just go, just go. I can't stand the blessing on you. (laughs) How does that sound at the bargaining table? More than you bargained for. 
<laughs> that's, that's, that's the more than enough God, friends. I mean, after you haggled and haggled, haggled, says, okay, fine. Okay, that, we'll give you that car, but I'll tell you what, we'll give you three cars for that price. Yeah, just go, just go, just go. <laughs> Michael Powers probably knows how to haggle it down, right? Yeah. Friends, you are so blessed. You are so blessed. But can only walk in that blessing if you know whose you are who you are, what you have, your covenant, your station life, and maybe we could touch this some other time, what you can do. Hallelujah. When that baby's born and it's going to be a big blitz, you'll remember today. You will remember I'm a king and a priest. I have, my father is the owner of a cattle on a thousand hills. Amen? Amen. Next time you hit that bargaining table, no deal, devil. My health, my strength, everything. I'm taking it all in Jesus' name. Is that good enough today? Yes. Hallelujah. God, we praise you. Father, we, we are humbled today that you would, um, like the psalmist said, pay attention to us. <laughs> we don't understand that kind of love. We don't understand that kind of attachment that you are mindful of us. I pray for every friend that's here today. Lord, it would boggle the mind for each of us to truly have a concept of how much you think about us and the plans that you have for us and how much you have prepared for us and oh that we would be uncompromising. Oh, that we wouldn't give in at stage two and say that's good enough. Because Lord, I pray for my friends today. May they know and understand that make do will never do. I pray your people would be most blessed, dripping with the goodness of God. Worship you. I pray for everyone that's fighting sickness and disease in their body today. Thank you, Lord, that... We don't have to struggle. We thank you that we've got healing is ours. That blood that was shed, that body that was broken, amazing. It's a part of our inheritance. We're kings. Spirits of infirmity are so far beneath us. We embrace what you have done and we embrace that you've created us and we embrace the authority that you've given us. Help us, Lord, to operate and walk in that realm. In Jesus' name, I pray for my friends. The next time they get a bill that seems a bit steep or the next time that a project comes up and they say, I can't afford this. Lord, I pray you would arrest our hearts and help us to see. You're a king. You're a priest. Don't, don't settle for that lie. Don't you give in to the lying spirit of this world. They're royalty in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen.